July 29th, 2016 here on the Patriots Beat Podcast on CLNS Radio. Got a really good show for you guys this week. The moment we've all been waiting for is finally here as Patriots training camp is finally underway. We'll give you the reports from the early parts of camp as well as giving you our final season predictions for what we think the Patriots are going to do this season. Also welcoming on Derek Havens of Pats Fans com to sort through some of the biggest camp battles that we will see for the Patriots this year. Got a really good show. Thanks for joining us today. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thanks, boss. Hello, everyone. It's episode number 132 of Patriots Beat on CLNS Radio. Find us on clnsradio.com. Find us on Twitter at CLNS Radio and support us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Hello, everyone. If you're wondering why I am so very joyous on this episode of Patriots Beat this week, it is because we are, we are done with positional reviews. We are done with talking about Deflategate, court dates, and other shenanigans. No, ladies and gentlemen, today, today we finally return to real football. Oh, oh my goodness. What, what a crazy long summer it has been since the end of the Super Bowl till now. This NFL offseason has been one of the most dreadful periods of sports I, I can imagine in a long time. Not a lot of fun going on in the world of sports. A lot of weird changes going on, but here we are again. 2016, the new NFL season is finally upon us. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very exciting football team that we get to talk about. So if you are unfamiliar with the show and are just kind of joining us for this season, um, this is going to be one of the best Patriots seasons ever. I, I don't care where you're from. I don't care who you are. You can hate the Patriots with all of your might. But the one thing you cannot deny this year is that the Patriots might have the most talented football team in the NFL. Definitely have the most talented football team in the AFC. But right now, probably one of the top three teams in the NFL going into the season. Tom Brady or not for the first four games of the year. We will see how Grappolo steps up into that role. So on this episode, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the different camp battles that we're going to see going to the start of the camp. CLNS Radio is actually going to be at Patriots Training Camp this year. We'll give you more updates as the weeks goes on, as we get closer to uh, entering Gillette, and kind of, you know, we'll give you our eyes and ears once we get out there. But uh, we'll be going through a lot of the different camp battles. Uh, Derek Havens of uh, PatsFans.com, uh, good buddy of the show. He does his own uh, little podcast, I believe, for Pro Football Central. So definitely go check him out. He's a great guy. Love reading his stuff on PatsFans.com. So he's going to come on and help us sort out a lot of those camp battles. Um, I'm also going to give you my final season predictions for this season. Um, I'll give another 
dose of it. Uh, I'll give you another dose of my predictions once preseason is over. But I always like doing one before preseason and after preseason. That way we can kind of see how the team has changed from the beginning of training camp to the end of preseason. And we'll really be able to cycle around the team. And kind of, I think it gives you a more well-developed look at how the team is going to adjust. So let's, first of all, let's go through the first couple of notes. Recording this on the Thursday um, before the Friday, because I really wanted to record this on the day that they started training camp and uh, did their first kind of round of practicing. And you know what? From what I can see from my little Patriots coverage tab on my tweet deck, if any of you have tweet deck, you know how absolutely incredible of a service it is to have. So, you know, just going through a lot of it, um, you know, very positive first couple of tweets that we've seen from out from Patriots camp so far. Uh, one of the ones I was really, fo- really focusing on were how Jimmy Garoppolo was going to do on 7-on-7s seven and 11-on-11s. And I was also really interested in seeing uh, the progression of the wide receiver core that they're bringing into camp. We're not going to see a lot of uh, coverage of the offensive line and defensive line those usually come in a couple of days uh, into training camp, not really the first one. Usually the first one is really for setting the tone on offense, really seeing who's going to step up during training camp. So the person that I really wanted to, we, we need to start with, obviously, is Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, the, the first good news that there really is to say, according to Doug Kide of Nesson, no interceptions for any of the Patriots QBs today. So that's Brady... Uh, Brissett, or Garoppolo. So no interceptions on the first day of camp is always good in my book. But um, the one thing I was uh, really interested in seeing is how he connected with a lot of his targets. Um, Apparently he had uh, very good repertoires going with players like Chris Hogan. Apparently him and Aaron Dobson uh, were connecting really well. We'll get to Aaron Dobson later. Um, He was apparently connecting pretty well with uh, new rookie wide receiver Devin Lucian. So uh, it really did seem as if Garoppolo is really ready for for what is going to happen. He's been talking about how he's been preparing to be the starter from day one. Nothing is changing in his pep- preparation. He just really seems to be saying and doing the right things. He appears to be really in the right mindset for what the situation is, knowing that he's going to start week one through week four if he plays well, and then continuing to go, well, excuse me, going back to being the backup once um, once week four obviously ends because he's not, you know, Bill Check already said yesterday, recording this on Thursday for last Wednesday when they officially started, like, allowing media back to the training camp. Um, Belichick said that Garoppolo will be the starter week one, and then Brady, when he comes back in week five, will be given the starting rollback, which we all knew, but, you know, you do have to go through the formalities of announcing your starting quarterback and also announcing who is going to if if Brady's going to come back and start which obviously he is. So good to hear that Garoppolo is starting off uh training camp well. You really can't ask for anything more from a guy especially in a situation like this. If he practices well and creates a good repertoire with the offense that's exactly what you need. You need to he needs to create a good uh, a good um a good plan with Josh McDaniels to take advantage of all the uh pieces they have on offense because if you're a new quarterback the thing that you want the most is to have a good a good plan with your offensive coordinator and also just be surrounded by incredible weapons, which fortunately for Jimmy Garoppolo, he might be given the best all-around 
weapon core in the NFL between Gronk, Bennett, Edelman, Amendola, Hogan, Lewis, Blunt, and all the more that I've yet to mention. They're all ridiculous. So uh, Brady did not talk at practice today, was expected that he wasn't going to talk. Um, the other big um, storyline that was uh, coming at it today, oh, uh, Rob Nikovich just tweeted that it feels good to be back at it. So go Rob Nikovich, really hoping he has another good year. They, they've started to play him a little bit outside linebacker for emergency situations because that's kind of, they don't have a lot of depth at outside linebacker, so I think they kind of want to transition Nick over just in case they, uh, anyone gets hurt. But um, the one, uh, one kind of big story, not huge story, is that uh, Jamie Collins did not report to camp this week. Um, or, excuse me, not report to camp so yet, which people were very, um, very you know, concerned about. But apparently it was expected. Um, it wasn't a big thing. There are rumors that the Patriots are finally, finally um, entering contract negotiations with Collins, I'm sure that in the beginning it didn't come together because, let's be totally honest, they always um, they always kind of entered to like to very different uh, starting points. So good to hear that Garoppolo is doing well. Um, not worried about Jamie Collins. Um, everyone was there healthy. Um, Alan Branch is on the NFL uh, NFI list, which he was the start of last year. So that wasn't a huge concern. He's a big dude. He's probably not in shape. Whatever. Um, nothing really too concerning, honestly, coming out of the first couple days of camp, which is always really heartening because usually a lot of problems that you see with teams just like start from the beginning. And, you know, it comes out that, you know, Garoppolo was starting off really well in the 11 on 11s and seven on sevens, uh, connecting uh, really well with Gronk and Bennett. Um, he had apparently Aaron Dobson had an incredible day today, catching a lot of really good balls from uh, both Garoppolo and Brady. He apparently had a really sick one-handed catch and another really nice diving catch in the end zone. So if Aaron Dobson's putting the pedal to the metal and, it, you know, you know, you can't really – you can't make a diamond without pressure. So hopefully he can have a really good uh, a really good preseason and really make a spot on this team because, like, I, I really want Aaron Dobson to do well. I think that he's really struggled. He's not been able to take on – the effects of being in the NFL because he keeps getting injured, which while yes, that is not a good thing to have in your first, what, four or five years in the, or excuse me, three, four years in the NFL, just constantly getting hurt, but he's never really gotten his feet set. Now it's ironic that all of his injuries have been a foot injury, but you know, last season he got injured again, but he, so I think it was week four. He was injured and uh, he started, he was injured and then didn't play the rest of the year. But, you know, he's had since week four of last year to com- get completely healthy, reset his feet, and now this is the camp where, you know, his, his butt's on the flame. You know, he, if he doesn't perform well, he's gone easily. Like, they've dra- they drafted two wide receivers. They, they picked up Nate Washington. They picked up Hogan. Like, they don't need Dobson. His spot is already taken. He needs to re-earn his spot. And according to Jeff Howe today, Dobson caught four caught four catches and probably had the two best catches of practice. So good for them. Or good for Aaron Dobson for really trying to you know put his best foot forward. We'll see how he does for the rest of the camp, but he's definitely someone that we're going to have to watch. Um, also, rumors today that you know this whole thing with Julian Edelman coming out about him uh, knocking up some Swedish model in Los Angeles. Um, I'm, 
I'm not going to get too much into that because obviously, you know, that's his private life. This is Patriots Beat Podcast. That's not really us, something that we need to really get into. I just find it weird that his weird, weird similarities to Tom Brady at this point. Now dating Adriana Lima, um, unfortunately knocking up a very attractive young lady, but also being very supportive about it. All, all the reports have been that Julian Edelman's like, yeah, I did it. Whoops, I'll take care of it. So good on him for being responsible. But anyway, moving on and back to football. Uh, speaking of Julian Edelman, apparently Edelman and Amendola, put in, according to Michael Giardi of, uh, I believe he's CSN, right? Is he CSN now? Yeah, he's CSN. So as he, uh, he tweeted out, uh, saw Edelman and Amendola put in some serious work late in practice, catching passes with a staffer. They were both running and planting hard. I think it's really good for them to be put on the pup list at this point in the season, just because um, if you're put on the pup list, you don't get special treatment per se, but you do get specialized treatment. And I think that's exactly what they need. They need to both be working on their injuries while simultaneously preparing for the season. I think that putting both of them on that pup list is the perfect way for that to happen. I think that both of them, if I think Edelman is the one that's probably more likely to be ready for the start of the season than Amendola. I still think Amendola is going to miss the first game of the year just because I don't think I think, you know, in soccer, they always have these things where, oh, he's not going to be fit because he hasn't been able to, like, train and, like, be ready. I think that's what Amendola's problem is going to be. I don't know if he's going to be in football shape by the time the preseason ends, but if he really puts the pedal to the metal, then he could probably have a good chance of starting. But I think he's more likely at this point to um, miss out on um, – excuse me, miss out on the start of the season. So let's go through some predictions for this season because I really do think that this is a, this is a big, big, big year for the Patriots franchise as a whole because they have a lot, and I mean a lot, of free agents at the end of the season. They have, obviously, at the end of this year, they have like more cap room than anyone in the NFL. That's because they have no one signed. But just most of their starting defense is unsigned going into next season. Um, they have a bunch of players on offense that are also needing a new contract at the end of the season, but mostly it's on defense. Jabal Shear needs a new contract. Their entire defensive line needs new contracts. Malcolm Butler needs a new contract. Logan Ryan needs a new contract. Justin Coleman will be an ERFA, an ERFA uh, at the end of the season. Um, both starting linebackers are going to need new contracts at the, start of the, se- uh, at the end of the season. I believe Patrick Chung also might need a, a contract. He might have another year after this. Not sure, though. But just, like, they need to bring back this team. Because this team is incredibly talented. Like, I I said this on multiple episodes before, that I will challenge you to go through the rest of the NFL and find me a roster that might, it doesn't have, doesn't need the most star power. I was actually talking about this with one of my friends. But it doesn't have a lot of star power. What it does have is an incredible amount of depth. This team is so deep at all positions except left, except tackle. Besides tackle, this team is deep across the board. Their four or five starters would be two threes on most teams. They look really, really good from a depth perspective. And I think they needed to be. They saw after last year that this team as a whole, this franchise, the players on this franchise play so much football. 18 games a year. I know that you know they're saying we should make the regular season 18 games, which is never going to happen. But, you know, 18 games of football every single season for four, five, six seasons in a row, even when you have the entire year to recover, it's just a lot, and eventually it catches up to you. And I think last season, with them winning the Super Bowl and making it all the way back to the AFC Championship, to me, it really just looked like they had so much 
like just so much hurt on their bodies as a team by the end of the season that they were just dropping like flies flies when it came to injuries. Collins got injured, uh, Hightower got injured, the, the the Gronk got hurt again, Edelman got hurt again, Amendola got hurt. Like it was just the, so many injuries due to the fact that the team had just played so much football and. I think that, you know, having that extra couple of weeks off after the AFC Championship, I think kind of resetting the injury marker and really it seems that everyone had a very, very good offseason in terms of rehab and health. Even Deron Harmon said that he had a, um, excuse me, that uh, Deron Harmon had some offseason injuries and proceeded to like kind of brush it off saying, no, I'm fine. We're all ready to go. Um, obviously, we do have some injuries going into the preseason, but none of them are really serious. I mean, no, we don't really have anyone that's expected to miss the start of the season with some big-time injury that they suffered at the end of last year. I mean, Amadola is the only one that might um, like get in trouble. Nate Solder's back from injury as well. He's someone I, uh, I missed, but no, they, it really is good that they have a lot of their players back and healthy. But to get to predictions, let's start with this defense. So I believe that this defense, by the, by the time the playoffs come around, is going to be one of the five best defenses in football. Simply because this defense is really made up of guys that is, um, is like, they're not big name stars, but they're all just elite players. I mean, Donta Hightower, in my opinion, one is, is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Jamie Collins is really starting to hit the spotlight as the superstar on that defense. Um, Malcolm Butler and the rest of that secondary is easily one of the three best secondaries all around in the NFL. Malcolm Butler is one of the five, one of the 10 best corners in football. Logan Ryan is one of the 20 best corners in football. One of the better number two corners you're going to find in the NFL today. I know that, what's his name? Um, Felger does not like Devin McCourty. But he is wrong. I'm sorry. I, I, I agree with him on a lot of things, and I disagree with him on a lot of things too. He is so wrong about Devin McCourty. So wrong. If you watch a lot of the all-22 like camp stuff and like video stuff, you see what Devin McCourty is. Devin McCourty is not a guy who's going to put up nine interceptions a year, bat down balls all over the place. No, he's the ultimate center fielder. They, there's a reason that the Patriots last year gave up, I want to say they gave up the least amount of deep balls in football. It's because Devin McCourty is an incredible deep safety. That's all he does. He's the best, one of the best free safeties in the NFL, bar none. I would take Devin McCourty on my football team over probably most safeties in the NFL simply because you put him in that center field role and he's going to just cover everyone. He has speed. He has, he's an incredibly intelligent player. He's one of the best football IQs in the NFL. He's an absolute stud in the back. Felger is wrong about Devin McCourty. I apologize. Anyway, the Patrick Chung had a career year last year. Just they're, they're so deep. Cyrus Jones, Justin Coleman. They got that Daryl Roberts kid as well, who got hurt during preseason last year, who has a lot of potential as well. They brought in Jonathan Jones, that kid from Auburn, who is their top corner. So, like, they just have so much depth at the secondary position that they're just, they're just deeper than everyone else. So their defense is going to be one of the five best in football. That's my ultimate prediction. Top five. No questions asked. Um, next, though, next, though, this offense is really hard to judge. Now, I say that because... I don't necessarily know how it's going to work because they're, it, it, they have so much talent when it comes to their, their receiving core and their running back core. 
Their offensive line is pretty up in the air, but with Dante Scarnecchia coming back and saying on Wednesday that he really wants to solidify a starting five and stick with them, which I agree with. I think that's the only real way to do offensive line in today today's NFL. Because um, you can do a rotation, but we saw last year it didn't work. So we're going to see on this offense that I don't really know how it's going to work yet because they have all these weapons on offense. They have so many weapons in the passing game, and the running game is good, but what they don't have is a certifiable number one running back, which is what I wanted to pick up in the draft. Even if it was like a a Paul Perkins or a Javante Booker or just someone that you could pick up in the third and fourth round that is good at carrying the ball in the first and second down positions, I thought that's what they needed. That's the one kind of hole in this team that they don't have. But I think that that's what they're going to have by the end of the free, uh, excuse me, by the end of the preseason. We're going to see them undoubtedly pick up a, cl- a, a world-class running back, whether it's an old one like a Chris Johnson or we saw Steven Jackson in the late of the season. They're going to pick up some old guy and add him to this running back core unless they're really confident in LeGarrette Blunt, which I personally am not. I think he's a good running back, but I, I just – I. <clears throat> I'm a, I'm a fan of LeGarrette Blunt, but it is so wishy-washy. He is a good player. I'm not saying he's not, but I don't think he's a starting caliber running back anymore. He's a great tempo, tempo setter. He's a great guy in his, in his role, not short yardage. He is not a short yardage back. I know he's huge, but he, he, needs, he needs a full frontal thing. He's really good on play-action plays because you, he gets a lot of space and a good holes through the offensive line, and he's very good. On like first, and he's good on second down. He's not a first down running back, but I just think Legarrette Blunt is good at what he's good at. But everything else, you just can't use him for. He's not a pass catcher. He, he's not a short yardage guy. He's just he's a runner. They don't have a short yardage back, and they don't really have an explosion back. Now, Deion Lewis, we're going to really have to see because if he's fully healthy, he's going to completely change the complex of this offense. So. This entire offense really does revolve around how does James White, Deion Lewis, and DJ Foster, who I think is going to end up being more of a running back than a wide receiver. I think I've kind of gone back and forth on that. I'm still not sure. We'll see how camp goes. But how those pieces, how James White, Deion Lewis, and DJ Foster, how they settle into their roles is really going to say a lot about this offense because James White, it just even Ivan Fears, the running back coach of the Pats, says that he needs to find a role. He needs to find a niche and stick to it and attack it, which I don't think he had last year. I think the reason that his playing time was all over the place is because he never found a role he was good at. Sure, he's a good pass catching back because he's a good athlete, but whenever they gave him the ball, he just he never really did anything. So if if he takes this preseason to really find a role on this offense, I think he could be a huge piece. But if they don't establish a running game, I don't think we're at a point where the NFL defenses have really changed to a point where if, if the 2012 Patriots came back, just that high-flying, no-run game attack with the screen pass being their running game, I don't think that kind of offense really works anymore in today's NFL. I think you, you need a some sort of tempo-setting running game to set up the pass, and then the pass is up the run, and it's just good to have more balance in today's NFL rather than trying to throw for 5,500 yards in a season. Thank you, Drew Brees. But... This, this Patriots offense is going to be really good this year. Um, no matter what, they will be one of the better offenses in the NFL simply because of the weapons they have. I mean, you can't – I'm sorry, but an offense if, – if any of expert tells you that the Pats offense isn't going to be good, they're wrong. They're just wrong. It's just purely based off of a player 
skill standpoint, Edelman, Amendola, Chris Hogan, Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, Dion Lewis, LeGarrett Blunt, James White, Nate Washington, like the list just, it just keeps, Clay Harbor, like the list just keeps going. And it is a team that is going to put up a lot of points. And is a team that is going to stop a lot of points. And not to point out the obvious, but if you can score a lot of points and not give up a lot of points, well, fun fact, you're going to win a lot of football games. And they're going to win a lot of football games. My ultimate prediction for this this team this year, I believe they will go 2-2. Two and two. I'm giving official prediction. They will go 2-2 two and two with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. And they will go 10-2 and two the rest of the way. They will. This, this is a 12 and four football team, but if they can get a third win out of Garoppolo, they will go 13 and three. I think it's going to be tough for them to go 13 and three if they start at the year um, two and two, just because that means they have to go 11 and one the rest of the season. And as much as I love Tom Brady and I love this team, I just can't see them only losing one game. That is so incredibly hard to do. They have the bye week to do it. I think their bye week is week eight this year, which. Perfect, because last year it was week four, which is a lot of the reason they got so injured, because they played 12 straight weeks of football, which is completely ridiculous. So it's good that this year they have a legitimate bye week that will allow them to heal up at a point of the season where they're really going to need a rest. So 12-4 and four is my prediction for this team. Number one seed in the AFC. I just, just look at the rest of the AFC. I was talking about this with uh, my buddy Andrew the other day. The rest of the AFC is an absolute crapshoot right now. Because the AFC South, you know, the Texans are good. But who knows what's going to happen with, with that team now that J.J. Watt might miss the first, like, month of the season. We'll see. We don't know how that offense is going to m- mush together with a Brock Osweiler and Lamar Miller coming through. The Screw the Colts. They still have an awful defense. The Jaguars are a boomer bust team. Who knows with the Titans? The AFC West, I don't think the Broncos are going to win more than seven games this year. I really don't. I don't care what their defense looks like. They still have no linebackers. They still have a horrible offensive line. They have no quarterback. You're not convincing me that Mark Sanchez is going to lead this team to the playoffs. He's not. The, the, only, the real threats that they have in this conference this year are the Steelers, who the Steelers will probably end up being the number two seed in the AFC this year, with, with or without Martellus or not Martellus, uh, Martavis Bryant, excuse me, they'll still make it to the playoffs. Bengals will probably grab a wild card spot. But my opinion, the team that you need to watch out for this year, my surprise three seed are the Oakland Raiders. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to surprise a lot of people this year. I'm a huge Derek Carr guy. I'm a huge Amari Cooper fan. I really think that, that the Oakland Raiders have really done a good job in making a strong team with a good, youthful foundation. Khalil Mack is one of the best defenders in the NFL. I think picking up Kalechi Osemele, or Osemele, however you say his name, is a really good pickup for that offensive line. They now have one of the best interior offensive line in the NFL, by the way. Go check out. Between Gabe Jackson, uh, Osemele, and they picked up, uh, I think it was Rodney Hudson, the uh, center for the Chiefs two years ago. He's one of the best centers in the NFL. So they have a good offensive line. Good wide receiver core, good running backs, a franchise QB, and a great defense. I think that we're going to see the Raiders step up this year and take on that three seed. But outside of that, I mean, the Chiefs will be okay. But, like, let me tell you, this, the AFC is wide open. The AFC is absolutely wide open. And if you don't think for a second that the Patriots can grab the one seed in this, the, in this conference, you're crazy. 
there's just they have the most talent in this in this conference right now, bar none. So with with that amount of talent and with their schedule that they have, they get the NFC West, but they get the Seahawks and the Cardinals at home because they have the Rams in LA and the 49ers at San Fran. I know they play the Seahawks at home, so they play the NFC West and the AFC North this year. So a tough, two tough divisions, yes, but two divisions that are also beatable. So my opinion, twelve and four prediction for the Patriots this year. Two and two with Garoppolo, they'll go thirteen and three if Garoppolo takes them to three and one. But this is this is a good football team. This really is, barring injury and barring some debilitating coaching switch. This is going to be one of the best teams of football this year. I have no questions about saying that. So be one of the best question, best teams of football, excuse me. But there are still questions about this team, and we really need to look at what some of the camp battles are going to be this year. So before we bring on Derek Haven, let me just establish what those camp battles are going to be before I bring him on. The camp battles this year are the battle for center between David Andrews and uh, Brian Stork. We're going to have a battle for the defensive end positions between um, between... Jabal Sheard, Ninkovich, Chris Long, Trey Flowers, and Geno Grissom. We're going to see a battle of defensive tackle position between Alan Branch, Terrence Knighton, Malcolm Brown, even Joe Volano, Vincent Valentin. They're going to be getting into it. And another big one, the guard battle. The battle at guard is going to be the biggest battle that we're going to see at camp this year. Who are going to be the two starting guards? And then we're also going to see a little bit of a battle at the wide receiver position to see who can get the three, four, and five spots. So we'll be bringing on Derek Haven of PatsFans.com here in just a moment. But we'd like to announce that this interview is sponsored by Blue Apron. Get fun to cook meals for and with your family and friends by ordering healthy and delicious ingredients from Blue Apron that's delivered straight to your doorstep. Get meals for under $10 with the freshest and in-season ingredients. As a loyal supporter of CLNS Radio, we are offering your first two meals free with free shipping by going to BlueApron.com slash CelticsBeat. That's BlueApron.com slash Celtics beat. And with that being said, let's bring on Derek Havens to talk about some of the biggest battles in camp. To get really uh, right into things, I really wanted to uh, get your opinion on uh, what you think some of the bigger battles are going to be for the Patriots this year in training camp. A couple that uh, I pointed out in the first half of my podcast are the one at center, the both guard positions, wide receiver, and then I think my last one was the running back position. So let's start with offensive line because obviously that's the most, I guess, volatile of the positions on the pass right now. Who do you think is going to take home the center job for the start of the year? Well, I think Brian Storff will ultimately end up taking the job. Uh, but I, I, I think David Andrews showed something at times last year. And, you know, people say he's been undersized. But uh, I think Andrews brings uh, a slightly different skill set. Uh, I think the good thing about Stork. On the field, he has that kind of nasty interior toughness, that hard hat mentality that you really like to see up front. Um, although his attitude has been noted by some media members as going the other way as well. Uh, I think ultimately Stork is the better player, but I do believe Andrews gave him a solid run for his money and made him, I guess, a little bit more on edge going into this year. Do you think Stork will, if, if let's just say Stork does end up getting the starting job, uh, do you think Andrews would be, if he took over, would he be a suitable replacement? Or do you think Stork is that much better that this isn't really a competition? I think Stork is the better player. I'm not going to say Andrews 
uh, you know, couldn't do it. I, I, from what I've seen, I feel like Stork is ultimately the better player, but I do believe that Andrews is a capable guy and that he would have some value on this team. Very nice. So moving over, I guess, one position over to the guard job, there are nine guards on this Patriots roster. Nine. I, have, yep. I, I can't figure out why there's so many guards and so few tackles. But obviously going into this year, there's a lot of competition at, at that guard job. You know, they brought in Cooper from Arizona in the Chandler Jones trade. They still have both Shaq Mason and Trey uh, Jackson, along with an assortment of other people, two new drafted guys, and a couple depth players, uh, including Josh Klein. Who do you think will end up taking those guard spots? Well, it's tough. I think Shaq Mason is a guy who you have to look at. Um, uh, Josh Klein is another one. Um, you know, the two guys who are going to be interesting are going to be Joe Tooney, who uh, they drafted this year, and also Jonathan Cooper, who they acquired in the Chandler Jones trade, uh, a guy who was a top-ten talent. Garnetia, you know, really, uh, really liked him when he, wait, after he worked him out from uh, University of North Carolina a couple of years ago, but really fell out of favor in an Arizona situation that you'd think would be perfect for him because that offensive line has really gone through a lot of turmoil in those past couple of years. So it didn't work for out, out for him there. We'll see if the change of scenery does him good. Uh, ultimately, I think you probably look at Chef uh, Mason, I'd say, and Josh Klein. But like you said, there's nine guys. I mean, this is going to be one of the more intense battles. I think Dante Cernicki obviously is as well-respected as any assistant coach or really any coach in the entire National Football League. Uh, you know, he certainly has a way of, of getting something out of these guys that uh, I think you can actually see on the field. And, and we'll see what they come down to. Last year I thought New England got a little too crazy with their offensive line combinations. It didn't seem like they had a whole lot of – I think, I think they just did a little bit too much. It seemed like they were trying to find the right combination, and it, I think it hurt some of these guys by not knowing who the guy next to them was. You know, after, if you work with a five, you know, five guys all together at the same time, they work as a cohesive unit, and if they're working at that same time, uh, I just think it has better long-term ramifications. So we'll see what happens. I think this year they need to settle down on a five early, and I think Klein and Mason are probably their guys. So let's just say that, you know, Klein and Mason do uh, end up being the starters. Every so often we see, or I, I want to say at least once a year, maybe once every other year, we see the Patriots make a big, like, kind of surprise, shocking cut. Do you think that would be one of the guard positions? Maybe they cut Jonathan Cooper really early if they aren't big fans of him or get rid of uh, maybe Trey Jackson, who struggled last year. Do you see anything like that happening? I could see Trey Jackson not making this team. Uh, I, I don't. I, I didn't have him on my roster prediction that I put um, onto the website a couple of days ago, uh, you know, as far as the 53 goes. I thought he had some knee issues. He never really came about. He just didn't seem as comfortable as Shaq Mason did. I didn't think Mason was perfect by any means, but I did think that he showed some promise. Jack, to me, never really looked like he was able to get it, and I did think the injury thing was an issue. I wouldn't necessarily call him a surprise cut, though. I, I, I believe that, you know, if you could put him in there as someone who – who should be on the bubble, uh, you know, you could look at the tackle position and say a guy like Marcus Cannon, you know, could be a guy who's cut, but his, you know, his cap is pretty high. You'd think they would have done that already if they were looking at saving space, but I don't think you should pencil, he should be penciling uh, anything in right going for the future either because I think he's been on thin ice with how he's played. Uh, and really, after replacing Volmer a couple of years ago at right tackle, after Sebastian Volmer broke his leg, you know, I thought Cannon did a good job there. Besides that, he's really struggled, and last year he was a total liability. So those two guys are on thin ice. 
from my perspective. And, you know, they, they really are lacking. You know, the, if you look at the entire roster, the one place they are really lacking depth is the tackle position, which is really interesting because obviously last year with the injury of shoulder, that was their biggest area of concern and the big tackle. And they really didn't do anything this offseason to, I guess, help out. Is there any of these guards that you think could switch over, maybe Tooney or Karras that could uh, supply some depth on the outside? Or maybe they even stork out there. I'm not sure. Well, Stork tried, and I think he – the thing about Stork is even if he wasn't to win the center job per se, he seems like he has at least some versatility to be able to give you, you know, maybe a player, a couple, a game or two at tackle or a game or two at guard. Not necessarily saying he would be a full-time fit there, but he does have a little positional versatility, as does Joe Tooney, who you pointed out just a second ago. Uh, you know, Tooney was thought of potentially to be a tackle when he was first, uh, you know, selected by New England. But really, the more you look into it, he's, he's settled that guard. Uh, he's going to be an interior guy. Um, you know, I, I thought one of the more surprising, the two most surprising developments of the offseason to me were the lack of, uh, I guess, uh, they did, the team really didn't show a whole lot in terms of they, they, they thought they needed to tackle. Apparently, we all thought they did. It's the same for running back, too. We all, we all thought there'd be a little more sense of urgency, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And we didn't really see it, those two positions. You know, I, I take it as they feel comfortable with what they have. I think a lot of it will come down to how the Adrian Wall settles in because I think he could be a big swing tackle for the team. And if, and if Ulmer and Solder can stay healthy, I think he'll be in good shape. The problem is both those guys, as good as they have been in the past, they've also shown to be kind of unreliable with their injury history. Right. So moving away from the offensive line and looking towards Another big question mark on this uh, on this Patriots team, not in sense of talent, but more of just health and where everyone is going to end up falling out, and that's the wide receiver position. They have, like, seven guys who could easily make the top three of this wide receiver core, but obviously, you know, the top two are probably going to be uh, some – are probably going to be Amendola and Edelman. But after that, you know, Nate Washington, Aaron Dobson, Chris Hogan, Devin Lucian, Malcolm Mitchell – like, they, they have a lot of guys in that kind of area who you, you, we don't really know who's going to step up and kind of take on that third and fourth uh, target role on that wide receiver core. Who out of those, who out of, excuse me, who out of those guys do you think will uh, kind of shuffle away from the rest of the pack? Well, I think ultimately your top three guys are going to be Edelman, Amendola, and Hogan. Uh, you know, they paid Hogan a ton of money. He's going to have a role in this team. Um, you know, he's going to be there. And those first two guys, Amendola, Edelman, are – are obviously locks of uh, health, you know, a big issue there, but they should be, be both ready to go for the season. After that, I guess you have a little bit more wiggle room. Um, I, I, I think Keyshawn Martin is going to have a role in this team. He showed a little bit of something last year. It showed, I thought he stayed in nicely, made a couple of plays. That's kind of like your fourth, fifth receiver, nothing crazy. Uh, and also, he they, the team extended him there. Uh, you know, the thing is, is you, you would believe that Malcolm Mitchell will be on the team as a fourth-string receiver, but I know Nate Washington is probably going to give him a run for his money. After that, I'm not really sure what you have. Uh, Aaron Dobson, I, he's going to have to have an unbelievable training camp in preseason to make this roster. I think he's on the outside looking in. Devin Lucien is probably a guy who's a practice squatter, um, as, as well as Chris Harper. Uh, so I think those guys are all going to be kind of outside looking in. Um, uh, I, I, I do believe Keyshawn Martin makes the team and Nate Washington is cut, but I, I think that there's a chance that Nate Washington fits in and, 
and we'll see what he can do. Uh, you know, obviously he's kind of had a journeyman career, but he's been he's been a solid NFL receiver for almost a decade now. So he's been able to do some things in this league, and and we'll see if he can find a role in this team and find that rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. I think it'll be interesting what they end up doing with Aaron Dobson, just because you know like he's been so injured in his time in the NFL. And when he wasn't injured, he was okay. Like his rookie year, he was okay, but since then. Obviously, with all those foot injuries, but apparently he made two like the, he had the the best two catches of the day today on their first day of training. Obviously, you can't take that too much, but uh, still nice just to hear him actually doing something well. But I'm uh, moving to the other side of the ball before we let you go. So the other big camp battle for me, at least, is the, is the defensive tackle position because you know Trevor or excuse me, Terrence Knighton, you have uh, Alan Branch, you have uh, excuse me, Malcolm Brown in the middle there, and newly drafted Vincent Valentine. Even Joe Milano was brought back onto this team to give everyone a run for their money. I know Frank Clark, the guy they got from the Redskins, plays a little defensive tackle too. But it will be interesting to see who they line up as their two big uglies. So who do you think will end up getting those starting spots? Well, I think Malcolm Brown will be a starter, and I, I believe probably Alan Branch will be the other starter, at least initially, where you'll work Terrence Knighton in. Uh, some people have put Terrence Knighton down as a surprise cut. I'd be pretty, I'd be a little surprised. Basically, I just don't think they have a lot of depth there, uh, and uh, I think he can give me a nice player to throw in the mix. I believe that you'll have a rotation of those three guys. I believe Knighton could end up being the starter next to Malcolm Brown, but I would, I would. I would mark down Brown as one of these starters with either Branch or Knighton, uh, you know, taking the other one, just depending on how the preseason, uh, you know, takes out. We'll see what happens. I thought Brown was very impressive as a rookie. His second year, you know, going into the second year, if he can build off that, I think he'll have a really nice piece there. Uh, you know, but, you know, Harris, I'm surprised you're not, look, you're not talking about the cornerback position. I, to me, that's one of the more interesting possibilities to camp, uh, one of the battles. I look at the cornerback position, and I see, obviously, number one, Butler, number two, um, Logan Ryan. And then number three, I've kind of already given it to Justin Coleman. I know that um, Cyrus Jones is a good player, obviously drafted in the second round. I know that they're really high on this Daryl Roberts kid, but we haven't really seen him with any NFL action. I would just give it to Coleman because before he went down with that wrist injury, he was all over the place. There, were, there was not a single slot receiver that left his sight. He played really well, especially – oh, forget – he had a huge game where he had, like, a, a two almost interceptions and a couple padded down balls. Do you think that Cyrus Jones is going to get that three spot, though? Well, I, I, I put it this way. I think Cyrus Jones is a lock, and I don't think Justin Coleman is. I, I believe Justin Coleman is – I think he's a player who is going to make the team, and I do believe that he belongs in that top four conversation. You already mentioned the other three guys. Butler and Ryan are obviously your top two guys. And look, all the contracts that everyone's talking about, the Patriots are going to have to give out. No one's mentioning the fact that Logan Ryan's entering a last year fifth contract as well. Uh, and right. he's probably going to get paid strictly based on some of those flashing numbers, like those interceptions, that he definitely has a lot of. He's going to have a lot of incentive to play really well this year. And if he mm-hmm. does, it only really benefits you, at least for the short term. Uh, yeah. you know, in the long term, you'll figure that out. For to me, though, the fifth spot to me is the most interesting because I think they, dra- yeah, they signed a couple of undrafted guys who I all believe all bring something different to the table. Uh, you know, you have Daryl Roberts, who one of my uh, one of my colleagues, Steve Valcieri, is very high on. Uh, you know, I think he, I think Roberts is an intriguing player. Made, made a couple of nice plays at minicamp when I was in attendance. Uh, they also signed Craven LeBlanc, D'Angelo Benley, and Jonathan uh, Jones as, as uh, mm-hmm. all all undrafted guys who. 
look like they will be able to compete. They're all very solid, uh, kind of NFL-built players. Uh, mm-hmm. All of them have a, a little bit of an edge to them, and all contribute in special teams. And when you're talking about fourth, fifth receivers, cornerbacks, running backs, you have to be able to contribute on special teams. So that fifth spot to me is going to be very interesting for the cornerbacks and the wide receivers. And the best thing about training camp is you're going to see those guys go head-to-head and earn those jobs over the next couple of weeks. I think it's also interesting that with that cornerback position, you know, for so many years, I think all Patriots fans, from as far back as I can remember, until like before they got Revis, they went through Ellis Hobbs and Wheatley and all those awful players, and there was always an issue at cornerback. But I find it funny that on this current roster, maybe one of the best teams that they've had in a long time, even maybe better than the 2014 team, we'll see, the cornerback position is probably their strongest. I would argue that that's probably the other on their team. I would make a case for it. I also really like the safety position. I think at least in terms of, uh, I think what you saw through Patrick Chung last year was extremely impressive. He really evolved as a player. He's been able to stay healthy. That's been huge for him. Uh, McCordy is kind of really the, the guy who's here in that secondary. He's been one of the biggest leaders on the team this year. You also saw Deron Harmon. He really kind of, he's not, he's not a starter. You have to take it for what it's worth. He's a great three. He's been a, good, he's been a very good three for you who's able to make uh, a, some big interceptions at times over the past couple of years. So I look at safety as one of the steadiest positions. Cornerback, I think you can be optimistic about because I do believe there's some young talent there. It's the first time in a long time since the Revis year where you can be really optimistic at that position without having a bona fide superstar. Is Malcolm Butler on the brink of, you know, being that superstar? I, a lot of people certainly, uh, you know, should hope so because that's what you need in the NFL to be successful these days. And he's had a, a tremendous first two years. So we'll see if he can continue to build. And if that happens, I think you're going to see the benefits of this defense being a top five unit. It, you know, it's just going to depend on that secondary maturing and taking the next step and that front seven being able to get after the quarterback and not suffering too much from the loss of Chandler Jones in free agency. Yeah, you definitely have an agreement for me there on this defense being top five. I, I talked about how if the defense stays healthy, it is a bunch of no-name guys. You know, Jamie Collins is probably the biggest name star. But, like, if Jamie Collins is your biggest name, then obviously you're not blowing anyone away. But, no, this, this defense will end up being pretty good. But there, is there any other position on this team that you really see a big camp battle coming down, or do you think that most of the rest of the team is just kind of solidified? Uh, well, I mean, if you take a look around, you look at the linebacker depth, I think there's a lot of job spearing there with an issue last season. The defensive end job will be interesting in terms of backups. Again, we're talking about backups here. Uh, we talked about the offensive line extensively. Tight end, I think, very cut and dry. Gronkowski, Bennett, Harbor, those are going to be your guys. Uh, but the, to me, one of the more interesting positions is the running back position as well. Uh, I think they didn't address, like I said earlier, with tackle position. Really no sense of urgency. The team really didn't address it a whole lot. Uh, I thought they could have used another running back. Um, I, I'm not sure really anybody is safe. I believe Dion Lewis and Brandon Bolden uh, uh, are your real true only locks. And I only include Bolden in this because it's a guy who you know is kind of the third or fourth string running back on the depth chart, who's a guy you don't want to give the ball to all the time, but he can, you can rely on him if you need to, but is a core special team player. And Brandon, Brandon Bolden, to me, is like what Matt Slater is to the wide receiver. It's like he's not really a wide receiver, but he has him listed there sure. because he's a wide receiver. 
Sure, and and I think I think you can make the argument that Bolden's probably even a better running back than Slater as a wide receiver. I'm not. Fair I, Slater to me, when I did my roster breakdown, I didn't even put him as a wide receiver. I just put him strictly as a specialist. Like, yeah. so that's all he is. But he's great at his job, and he's one of the best gunners in the league. So, uh, you know, I, I think for the running back position, it's going to come down to is Donald Brown able to find a role here? I, I, he's been a very big journeyman. Never really did anything once he came out of UConn. I'm not so sure. Legarrette Blunt. We'll see if he can do. He had a very kind of inconsistent year. Uh, one guy I'm very intrigued with is undrafted free agent DJ Foster from Arizona State. I think oh, I like he's a dark him. horse to. I think he's a dark horse to make this roster. The question is, where does where does the team play him? Uh, you know, is he able to contribute on special teams? How fast is he able to pick up the playbook? There are a lot of factors there. He's a running back slash receiver. Uh, did very well at, at, in high school in Arizona and, and did well at, at uh, Arizona State. Um, you know, it's gonna, he's going to have to be able to contribute on special teams in order to make the team. But he could be that third down passing back. Uh, James White, to me, is I'm not sure if he's safe. They've pretty much made him a strictly pass catching only weapon. And it's, he's too limited, in my mind, to justify making a team. We'll see what they think. But uh, I think that running back position, there's a lot of questions about it. And it would not surprise me at all if they are standing that waiver wire over the next couple of weeks looking for people who were cut to bring in and give a crack at uh, you know making this roster because I think they're very thin there and they could use another in-between-the-tackles runner. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mentioned that in the first half of my podcast that they'll they'll definitely be the ones that you see sniffing around, like you said, the, the, uh, the waiver wire, just waiting for that one kind of older big-name running back. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a second run at an Arian Foster if he gets cut kind of like that, but – We'll see if he ends up making the team. But, no, anything else you want to plug for us, Derek? I'm a big fan of uh, your writing on PatsFans.com. Anything uh, new that's coming up? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, well, we're doing a lot of good stuff. on it. And I'm not going to tear away from your podcast, but we have one as well, uh, you know, Patriots 4th and 2. Uh, we also, uh, you know, I, myself, Steve Alsteri, Ian Lowe, Russ Goldman, uh, you know, we've been doing a pretty good job over there. Uh, as far as what's coming up, I'll be down at training camp the next couple of days, really the next couple of weeks. I'll have extensive training camp notes each day, um, and you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Patriot Haven, uh, and you know hopefully we can connect on that. So I appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. I'd love to come on uh, your guys' show sometime. I think it would be fun to collaborate a little. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that soon. All right. Have a good day. Wonderful stuff. You too. Thanks, man. Again, want to thank Derek Havens for coming on and uh, giving us some of his thoughts on the Patriots camp battles. If you want to go check out his writing, I'm a big fan of his. Go check out PatsFans.com. He's the uh, one of the feature com- columnists, excuse me, over there. So definitely a good guy. Uh, like his podcast too, Patriots Fourth and Two. So go check out his stuff. He puts out a lot of really good content. But uh, going back to the stuff he was talking about before we wrap up the show. Um, I like a lot what he said about the camp battles. Uh, I really think the Patriots are in line for a really fun camp just because it's going to be very competitive. I didn't realize he's right about that cornerback spot, that there it really is like seven, eight deep, including those undrafted free agents. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they work out or how that position works out uh, with so much talent behind it. But uh, that's going to do it for, day, uh, for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription, a rating, and a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show was presented to you today by the SeatGeek Ticketing app. Once again, use the promo code CelticsBeat for a $20 rebate when you download the SeatGeek mobile app. It's a great deal and helps 
helps us support the show. First off, I want to give a shout-out to everyone who tuned in and listened this week. Thanks again, guys. I want to thank our guest, Derek Havens from PatsFans.com for our staff writers and the CLNS Radio Executive Producer, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. I'm Harris Rubenstein. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Radio. We will be back with more updates. And as Gronk says, no one makes scrambled eggs like I do. Have a good weekend.